This audio sermon is brought to you by the House of Intercessory Prayer Ministries. For more information, please visit www.hipm.org. Last week, we started a new series called Temple Builders. Temple Builders. Last week, we gave a brief intro to the topic. We talked about five different temples that are mentioned in the word of God. We mentioned the name of the men and women who were involved in building these temples. And of course, some of the temples are yet to be built. We also understood the New Testament viewpoint of the temple of God is certainly different from what it was perceived in the Old Testament days. And finally, we also discuss saying in what way temple of God is different from the church. And today, we are going to see one of the men behind God's temple. In fact, one of the temple builders by name King David. King David, certainly he was a man of God. He had a great desire in him to build a temple of God. David had such a great desire and longing and passion towards the temple of God. You know, if you remember in the Old Testament days, the Ark of of the Covenant, which which was kept inside the most holy of the tabernacle, represents the glory of God, the very presence of God. Children of Israel, when they travel from one place to another place, every time they used to carry the Ark of Covenant. As the Ark of the Covenant moves further, they believe the glory of God was going and leading them in the wilderness as they were walking. The Ark of the Covenant represents the glory of God. You know, when the Ark of the Covenant was captured by the enemies, we read that in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 22. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 22 says, When the Ark of the Covenant was captured, the Word of God records, The glory has departed from Israel, for the Ark of God has been captured. The glory of God has been departed from Israel as the Ark of God has been captured. You know, Ark of God, Ark of the Covenant represents the indwelling or the dwelling of God Almighty. When you, if you worry about, if you wonder about what is the Ark of the Covenant, Ark of the Covenant is the huge box covered with golden plates. And on top of it, we have the mercy seat of God. And there are two cherubims there standing and protecting and showing the glory of God over the mercy seat, and God's glory was dwelling in the Ark of the Covenant. Any of you remember what was inside the Ark of the Covenant? There are three things they were inside. Ten Commandments, number one. Number two? Aaron's rod, rod, that's butter. And then three, number three? Manna. Manna. Manna, right? So there are three things in the Ark of the Covenant. So Ark of the Covenant was a 
precious article in the tabernacle as they were worshipping God inside the tabernacle. So when the Ark of the Covenant was captured, Word of God says the glory has departed from Israel. Ark of the Covenant also symbolizes God's throne chair, God's dwelling place. And if you remember some of the incidents that took place with the Ark of the Covenant, there are many but then few. The Ark of the Covenant remained in the house of Obed-Edom. And word of God says, during the three months when the Ark of the Covenant remained in the house of Obed-Edom, God blessed the household. You know, God's blessing comes wherever God's glory dwells. You know, today you, can, you and I can invite the glory of God into our homes and we can experience the blessing that God can give to us. As the Ark of the Covenant was carried by the priests, word of God says, as their feet touched the river Jordan, river Jordan parted. And as they walked through the river Jordan and they crossed the river Jordan, and as their feet touched the land, the river Jordan came into place. When the Ark of the Covenant was brought into the most holy place as Solomon built the temple of God, in the word of God says, the glory of God came and filled the temple of God. Like a thick cloud, even the priest couldn't minister there. So Ark of the Covenant represents the very presence of God. But Ark of the Covenant was inside the tabernacle, not inside the temple of God. Now David, as a kingdom builder or a temple builder, he was so concerned that the Ark of the Covenant is kept inside the tabernacle. Let's read First Chronicles chapter 17. Verse 1. We are going to remain in 1 Chronicles chapter 17 and 1 Chronicles chapter 22 today. 1 Chronicles chapter 17 verse 1 says, now it, now it came to pass when David was dwelling in his house, that David said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under tent curtains. David looked at the prophet Nathan and he's told, look the Ark of the Covenant is dwelling in the tabernacle, whereas I am in my house. How can the Ark of the Covenant be there in the wilderness under the curtains? And I believe he started imagining that the Ark of the Covenant is brought into the temple of God and he wanted to experience the glory of God inside the temple. You know, as David was singing some of the Psalms, it makes it very clear that David was always longing for the presence of God. I believe David further went on to imagine how it would be like to be sit in the presence of God and to gaze the beauty of his holiness. He, he says in Psalm 27 verse 4, Psalm 27 verse 4, he says, One thing I have desired of the Lord. One thing I have desired of the Lord. That I will seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in the temple. David wanted to gaze upon the beauty of God. 
David wanted to sit and meditate in the temple of God. Where was the temple of God? He was planning to build the temple of God, but the David's heart was longing to sit in the temple of God. You know, David was a man who was seeking for the power and glory in the sanctuary. Psalm 63 verse 2. David was always seeking the power of God and the strength of the, God, strength of the Lord in the sanctuary. Psalm 63 verse 2 says, So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Again, he says in Psalm 96 6, David was seeking for the strength of God. You know, today morning we are praying for God's strength. David was doing exactly the same thing. When he went to the temple of God, he was asking God to strengthen him because at times he was so downcast. He was so depressed. But every time he runs into the presence of God, he was asking God, Lord, strengthen me, O God. Such a heart was David's heart. And he was asking here in Psalm uh, 96, sorry, 63 verse 2. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. So certainly there is no doubt about it. We see the power of God. We see the glory of God. We see the beauty of his holiness in the temple of God. In Psalm 96 verse 6 he says, He was seeking for the strength and beauty in the sanctuary. 96 6 says, Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. David was seeking for the glory of God, the strength of God in the sanctuary. Psalm 69.9 says, David had a great zeal for the house of God. David had a great zeal for the house of God. He says, 69.9, because zeal for your house has eaten me up. Another version says, Passion for your house consumes me. Passion for your house consumes me. We are talking about a man of God who wanted to build the temple of God. And the kind of passion he had, kind of longing he had for God's temple, for God's presence. You know, as I was preparing, I was reflecting these things upon me and I was asking a few questions. Probably I can just share those questions with you. The question number one is, do I have such a zeal for the house of God? House of God represents the temple of God in this context. It refers to our body in the New Testament context. And also it is a place where the children of God gather together. David says, the zeal for your house has eaten me up. The passion I have for your house consumes me. Every time, I don't feel like sitting at home, I feel like rushing to the church. I feel like going to the temple because I want to see the glory of God. I want to be in the presence of God. As Debbie started worship, she was saying that it is good to be together. In the presence of God, along with the children of God. Every time when I come in and see the children of God, you know, my heart is so overwhelmed. I'm so glad. I'm so rejoicing in the presence of God. It is so true that David's heart was like that. Every time he wants to be in the presence of God. Do I have that zeal within me for the house of God? Do I long for God's presence? He was saying some other, you know, in another psalm, my soul pants for God. Do I pant for God? 
Do I ask, seek? Do I have the thirst in God? Do I have a habit of running into God's presence? You know, when I am so despair, when I am you know, so discouraged, do I run into the presence of God to receive strength from him? Or I take the phone and talk to somebody. Now, David was a man. He always, because he never believed anybody on this earth. He never depended on someone on this earth. He was just all alone every time. Every time he was just in the wilderness, just singing with his instrument and giving praise to God. He was a man of loneliness, but he was not lonely. God was with him every time. God was with him. The question I'm asking, do I have the habit of running into the presence of God when I am struck with something? David had such a great desire for the temple of God. Secondly, David's desire to build a temple for God. You know, it is so amazing to read the scriptures. They are so you know, eye-opening and refreshing every time we read this. This man had a great imagination. He wanted to build the temple of God. You know, it was something that David wanted to do before he died. That was his passion, that he wanted to build the temple of God. In fact, he had a vision. He knows how the, the structure of the temple is going to be. David had a, also had a spiritual maturity to build a temple of God. Such a huge, magnificent temple he wanted to build for God. In fact, you know, when we compare to his son eventually who built the temple of God, David had a spiritual maturity. You know, but sometimes things won't work out the way we want it to be. Let's go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 17. Let's read a couple of scriptures there. Let's start with verse 1. Now it came to pass when David was dwelling in his house that David said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under ten curtains. Verse 2. Then Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. Verse 3, but it happened that night that the word of God came to Nathan saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, You shall not build me a house to dwell in. David expressed his concern, his willingness, his, his, his desire to build the house of God. And Nathan as a prophet in his human way, he said, Come on, go ahead and do whatever, the Lord, whatever God puts in your mind. But then when Nathan went back to his house, Spirit of God spoke to him. Go and tell David that he is not going to build my house. He is not going to build my house. Things were not going the way that David wanted it to be. Now when we come to verse 11 of 1 Chronicles chapter 17. God's word says, And it shall be when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you. Who will be your sons? And I will establish his kingdom. And verse 12, 1 Chronicles 17 says, He shall build me a house. And I will establish his throne forever. Can you imagine? Lord told David that it would be your son. It is good that you have a desire to do things for God. But you are not going to do it. Your son is going to do it. Obviously, it would have discouraged David so much because he wanted to do that somehow before he dies. 
Now, if you can turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 22, we may wonder why God did so, why God said so. 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 8 says, 1 Chronicles 22, 8, But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Now God's word says, the reason why David is not allowed to build the temple of God, he was a man of war and his hands were hands of bloodshed. Of course, it was not David's fault. If you think about it, it was not David's fault at all. David has been, all along he has been a man of war. There is no doubt about it. And there were enemies every side around surrounding the kingdom of Israel. There were enemies every side. And David had to fight with the enemies in order to secure the land for God, for God's children, for God's purpose to be fulfilled. It was nothing, it was none of his fault at all. And it was not a punishment also from God to forbid David from building the temple of God. But rather we understand it is an association that David had. Temple of God is not associated with the brutality of war. You know that's what God is make, trying to make it clear. You, had, you are a man of war and you also have a hands shed blood. And I'm not, going to, I'm not going to build the temple of God with you just only because there is no association for the temple of God with the brutality of the war. You know, I'm sure it was a great disappointment and discouragement for David because all along he was waiting to build the temple of God. You know, but I believe that David had a great spiritual strength to handle this disappointment. He was a matured man. He was a man of God. He knows the heart of God. And I believe that he had a matured, you know, he had a great spiritual strength to handle the situation. We are going to see that in a moment, how he was able to handle the situation. But the question again I want to ask within me, do I have the desire to build lives around me? Today, as we saw last week, the temple of God in the New Testament way it represents my own body, my own being, my spirit, soul, and my body. It represents all of us. It represents those who are not here, those who are living in sin, those who are still outside. Do we have the desire, do I have the desire to build lives, to build lives as temple of God so that God can reside in them, so God can dwell in them? The second question do I have the desire to build the church of God, the ministry, the kingdom of God on this earth? You know, today I believe as a church, God has brought us, even though we are few, but every one of us, we have a responsibility in God's kingdom. Do we realize that responsibility? David realized that responsibility, even though God didn't allow him to do it, but he, his heart was to build the temple of God. You know, God today expects us to have such a heart, to work in the kingdom of God, to build lives around us. You know, we are living in the days, there are many followers, they are willing to follow Christ for various different reasons, but there are very few disciples, true disciples of Jesus. Even when Jesus was living on this earth, Jesus was walking on this earth, 
There were many followers, people, all the sick people, they were following Jesus. All the people who are hungry, they were following Jesus. All the people who are fascinated seeing these miracles of God, they were following Jesus. There were many people following Jesus everywhere with different intention. But there were only 12 disciples. They have totally sold out for God. They followed Jesus wherever he went. And they stood and they gave their life for the cause of the cross. Today there are many followers, but there are only few disciples. Today there are many givers, many wants to give to God, many want to give to God, but there are very few sacrificial givers. Very few sacrificial givers. There are many who come and go, but there are many, there are very few who will give their shoulder to build up. This man, David, was a man. He was willing to give his shoulder to build up God's kingdom. David never thought what how much it is going to cost him. He never worried about the consequences of being a king getting into the building of the temple of God. He never worried about the consequences. He never thought about his status. He never said that I am so busy, I am responsible for so many things. No, it was, so, it was so true that he was responsible for so many things. But in the middle of it, he wanted to build the temple of God. His busy lifestyle couldn't take or couldn't remove or overtake his desire that he had to build the temple of God. The question that all of us need to ask as we study the scriptures within us, do we have the desire to do something in the kingdom of God? The question probably we need to ask God, Lord, that you started this church in this place. What is your desire? You brought me as a responsible individual into this church. What is my responsibility in your kingdom, Lord? You brought me into the church, Lord. I have been here maybe how many days, how many months, how many years now? Lord, what is expected out of me in your kingdom? What is expected, Lord, in me? That I need to deliver. I need to be responsible in your kingdom. You know, David was a man. He, was, he knew very well that he has a responsibility to build God's kingdom. And I believe it's the same responsibility that you and I hold today. God cannot send angels to do his work. He does even. He himself does things. But he is still depending on each and every one of us. We have a responsibility. We need to know. What is our responsibility in the kingdom of God as God expects us to live for him? David had a great desire to build the temple of God. Thirdly, not everyone is called to do everything. You know, call, God called David to establish his throne. By conquering all the surrounding nations, he did that perfectly. He conquered every one of his enemies and he established the throne. He set up everything so the children of Israel can live with, without any much war in the free nation. He did that perfectly. But God called his son Solomon to build the temple. You know what? David had a great desire. Probably more than being a king, he had a great desire all along to sing praises to God, to run into the temple of God, into the presence of God, to seek God, you know, play psalms. So many psalms he played to God. 
His, his passion was God all along, even though he was a king. You know, we need to understand the kind of desire that he carried in his heart. When David had such a desire, when God told him that you are not going to build the temple for me, in fact, your son is going to build the temple for me because your hands are of hands of war and you shed much blood. And as we said, it was none of his fault. It caused a great disappointment to this man of God. Think about the experience that David had by then. You know, think about the abilities that David built up in him. Think about the kind of relationship he had with God. He's such a man of God. He had such a great spiritual maturity. Think about the power because he was a conqueror and he was a king of Israel. He was such a man of God. All the nations surrounding him, they were afraid of this man of God. He was such a great king. But the moment God told him that you are not going to build my temple, your son is going to build the temple of God. Thirdly, I want you to look at his attitude. David's attitude towards God's work. Let's read 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 5. I understand the disappointment he has in his heart. But look at his, look at his attitude towards the work of God. 1 Chronicles 22, 5. Now David said, Solomon, my son is young. And inexperienced. And the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous and glorious throughout all countries. I will now make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. I want you to look at the attitude of this man. If you if I am there in that place, probably I would have gone by then. The women God tell you are not going to build the temple. Your son is going to build them. Oh, I have done. My job is done. Probably I'm leaving. I'm on to another project now. I'm just going to go away. Look at the attitude of this man. He says, I know the depth of the work. I know how much it is invo it involves. I know Solomon is inexperienced. I have that experience. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Even if I don't build the temple. But I can do one thing. I can do all the preparation for my son. So that when he comes up, he can build the temple of God. What a great display of David's attitude towards God. If I, I just put myself in that place. If I'm there in the place of David, I will say, I worked for it. I battled with all the enemies. And I brought so much of peace in the nation now. Now peace everywhere in the nation. There's no war. It's all because of my ability. What I did. And I have the spiritual strength. And I know how to build the temple of God. I know I can do it. I have all the resources. I have material. I have manpower. I know how to design the temple. And I know how to build the temple of God. I know how to make people involved in the work of God. Solomon does not know all these things. 
Solomon, in fact, even he doesn't know how long I have been waiting with such a great desire to build the temple of God. Solomon probably doesn't know how, what the kind of challenges every time I faced when I was standing in the battle friend. He is not mature. He is still not right with God in many ways. How is it possible? How can he build the temple of God? I'm sure probably it is not God. God won't talk to me in this way. Maybe the enemy is trying to put me down or he is trying to deviate me from God. And I would have thought in that way. Either I would have done two things. I would have probably you know, went ahead and I would have taken the responsibility of building the, God, building the temple of God. And eventually it would have come to nothing because it was not the will of God. It was not the desire of God. Or probably I thought, you know, I'm so big. Probably I will walk out of this situation. I will just go away from this. Let him do whatever he can do it. You know, probably I would have taken one of this. But look at the attitude of David. He's saying, I will not try to please God in my own way. Rather, I will please him in his own way. I will not please God. I will not try to please God in my own way. But rather I will please God in his own way. You know, it may mean to David, maybe to accept reproach, shame, and rejection, and misunderstanding, disappointment, and so many things in his life. Because he couldn't achieve what he wanted to achieve. And people around him are observing him. But then he couldn't do it. A little boy like Solomon, he is about to do it. And it was a great disappointment. But David was very sure. I will do what God tells me to do. You know, doing the will of God was the number one priority of David. Not to please God in his own way, but rather to please God in the way of God. You know, sometimes we get into this. I get into this. But it is time that we need to throw away all our excuses for not doing God's will. You know, sometimes even we build up arguments. I do it. We build up arguments and we, we even look for verses, you know, in our favor. And we just list those verses and we come out. with. We are ready for a discussion now. Okay, I have listed all the verses which are in favor of me. And we open up a discussion and argue and try to say that I am right. David had all the privileges to do it. But he never did that. We learned so much from David this morning. His heart was beating to do, to please God by doing the will of God. Don't we see Jesus in the life of David? You know, that's what exactly Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 34, and John 6, 38. John 4, 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to do the will of God. John 6.38 For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me. You know, I believe this is something that church needs to understand. If today church needs, if church understands this or all of us, if we understand there is only one desire to do the will of God. 
It doesn't matter who does that. It doesn't matter how do we do it. As long as we do the will of God. And do we do the will of God? And we fade away from the scene. David's attitude speaks to me still. It asks me, what are you trying to do? Am I trying to gather people to please them or to please God? Am I trying to do things to satisfy my own desire to please God and to please God? Or I try to do things only to please God? What am I trying to do when we do something for God? I believe it speaks to all of us. Are we doing our role in the body of Christ according to God's desire or we are trying to please ourselves? You know how long God has brought us to this church? We have understood God's purpose in our lives. Are we trying to please God by doing what God wants us to do here? Have we realized that God has been working in our lives all through until this point of time? Have we understood our role in the mega plan of God? You know, God, God works in two different ways. He gives us the responsibility to fulfill where we are, the church where we are. And also we have a responsibility in the overall kingdom of God. There are missionaries out there who will support them if we don't send. We have a responsibility in our local church to build the church, to build the kingdom of God. And we have a responsibility surrounding communities. And also we have a responsibility in the mega plan of God to reach people, those who are not at reach with the gospel. What is our attitude towards godly work? David had an attitude to encourage Solomon to build the temple of God. Let's quickly go through some of the scriptures in chapter 22. Let's read verse 6. Chapter 2 verse 6. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. He gave control to his son Solomon. That's what we read exactly. When God said, David obeyed. You know, that's a you know, difference I see between me and David. When God said, told him that your son is going to build the temple, and there was no question asked. David just obeyed. The very next verse, he calls his son and he hands over the responsibility, the control, the charge to him. But today, if God tells me to do something, I argue and I say excuses. But David, when God said, he gave the responsibility to his son and he obeyed instantaneously without any question. He was not holding it within him. He was willing to give it off. He was willing to give it away. He was not saying, come on, let's form a committee, maybe. You know, God wants to do a, build the temple of God. Now God wants to give the responsibility to Solomon. Let's form a committee and I will be the chairperson of the committee. And Solomon, probably he can be a team member of the project of building the temple of God. Did he say so? No, not at all. Verse 6 again. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him. 
to build the house for the Lord God of Israel. Who is David there to judge somebody who already God considered that he is equipped to do the work of God? David doesn't say have any say there. He was not holding it within him. He was not trying to put a committee and discuss. Word of God says David called Solomon and charged him or commanded him to build the temple of God. Let's go to verses 11 to 13. I wish we read the whole chapter but we may not have time. So let's go to chapter verse 11. Now my son, may the Lord be with you and may you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God. As he has said to you. Verse 12. Only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding. And give you a charge concerning Israel. That you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Verse 13. Then you will prosper. If you take care to fulfill the statutes and judgments. With which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel. You know, David was reinforcing God's law in the mind of Solomon. We see here, as with a good attitude, David was trying to do all that he wanted to do in order to equip Solomon to build the temple of God. He was telling Solomon that you need to walk in the godly ways. You need to keep all the statutes of God in your mind. Then only you will prosper. Then only you will succeed. In this mega project that God is about to give you. And the key, look at the kind of encouragement he is giving at the end of verse 13. He says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Look at the attitude of David there too. He was a man of encouragement there. He was encouraging Solomon. I know you don't have the ability maybe as of now. But do not be afraid. Be of good cheer. You know, kind of encouragement that David was giving to Solomon is amazing. As Moses, if you remember, did to Joshua. As Elijah did to Elijah. You know, many more in the scriptures, they did the same thing. A gift of encouragement was in David. Like Paul and Barnabas. You know, Paul was so many times, he was encouraged by Barnabas. You know, some of the epistles that we have today, written by Paul, because of the encouragement that Barnabas could do. We need to encourage one another. We see the kind of encouragement David is giving to Solomon. Let's move further. Verses 14 to 16. Indeed I have taken much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord. Still we can listen to him. His cry. House of the Lord. 100,000 talents of gold. And one million talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond measure. For it is so abundant. I have prepared timber and stone also. And you may add to them. He's not holding them. He's saying that you can use all of them that I have prepared. And you can add to them. Verse 15. Moreover, there are workmen with you in abundance. Woodsmen and stone cutters. And all types of skillful men for every kind of work. I have the required all the resources that is required. <clears throat> Verse 16. Of gold and silver and bronze and iron. There is no limit. Arise and begin working and the Lord be with you. Kind of encouragement. Not just a word. 
but even by doing it by collecting all the materials that is required for him to do or build the temple of God David was willing to give everything you know David took much pain to organize all these things in his life David used all his influences that he had and his power he had towards building the temple of God he was not keeping quiet saying that anyway God can do it if God is the one who called you to do it God can do it now when I speak to some people share about you know what we are going through they encourage me saying that oh if it is God who has called you he will do it you know kind of encouragement David could have probably given oh if it is God probably and he will do it you don't worry about it what you are worrying about he will do it but he was not just stopping there he was taking one step further saying that see come on look at all this that I have prepared over a long time you know with great difficulties but now you can take all this and add to it his objective was building the temple of God you know he was playing his role as he was alive on this earth before his death you know some of the efforts that we put in the kingdom of God will not materialize or will not bring result in our lifetime because we need to remember every effort that we put in the kingdom of God you know, God keeps an account it is certainly added to the kingdom of God but we may or we may not see it in our own lifetime probably you know some examples that you would have shared with about Christ to, to someone he would have brought someone to the church or one day and we may not see them again we may not see them again it, it, it worries us do they follow Christ where they are do they go to church at all you know so many times we worry about it but you know what the truth is we may not see them here but one thing that is true they are serving God somewhere else you know, that's what God looks at is. That's what God looks at. That's what God is interested in. You would have put a lot of effort to build them up or you would have given them right every day, walk them around and take them around and you know, make sure they are happy, they are living good. But you may not see the result. You know, when we build the kingdom of God, exactly what David is going through, some of us may go through. We may not see the result immediately, but in the mega plan of God, they are serving God somewhere. If not today, probably when we are gone from this world, they will start serving God. God will not leave them. God will not leave them. Every effort that we have taken in the kingdom of God will bring its reward. We may not see, but doesn't mean that God is not rewarder. He will bring them in contact with Christ. Sometime even we would have prayed for somebody day and night. Or they are in a terrible situation. You know, every time I encourage the prayer conference people, if you are praying, do not expect anything from men. You know, sometimes we get, you know, information or in, so we get some concerns saying that I prayed for her and God delivered. Not even one thanks, not even one call. Don't expect, if you expect a thanks, you are not an intercessor. You are not an intercessor. You cannot expect anything from man. God is the rewarder, not man. We may not see that happening in our lifetime, but they are added 
in the kingdom of God. There is no greater joy than knowing that they are serving God somewhere else. Remember, Paul plants. Apollo's waters. And someone else reaps. Someone else reaps. That is so true. You know, we don't need to stand in that matter and worry about it. We should never stand to see the honor coming back to us. Because the honor belongs to God. That's what the word of God says. You planted and someone else waters. But who? It is God who causes the increase. It is God who causes the increase. The, the glory or the honor goes to God. We are not here to take the honor. So God expects us to have the heart of David. Finally, he even asks others to support Solomon. Let's read verses 17 to 19. David also commanded all the leaders of Israel to help Solomon, his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you? And has he not given you rest on every side? He is talking to the people, the congregation, the people of Israel. For he has given the inhabitants of the land into my hand. And the land is subdued before the Lord and before his people. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Therefore arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God. To bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy articles of God into the house that is to be built for the name of the Lord. Look at the very clean, pure attitude of David there. That was his vision that the Ark of the Covenant to be brought into the temple of God. He has never deviated from that vision still. Even though the responsibility is taken out of his hand and given to somebody, someone else. He was very particular, very clean in his attitude towards God. All that he wanted is to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the temple of God. You know, we are living in the world. If someone doesn't like us, you know, they spread the word with the intention of making even others not to like you. If someone, you know, but even, you know, think about us, we talk about somebody else, think about us. When we hate somebody, in our heart, maybe the first response, the reaction we get to situation don't we expect that others also should hate them? We hate someone. But spontaneously, without our knowledge, we take pleasure when someone else also hates them. You know, that's a human heart. That's a human heart. Look at the heart of David. God gave the responsibility to Solomon. Now, David is speaking to somebody else and telling him, Come on, go and help Solomon. Come on, go and encourage Solomon. You know, that was the heart that God was looking for in David. This man of God had such a great attitude towards the work of God. He called everyone and he commanded everyone to go and help Solomon. Go and help, this, help Solomon. Because, only because, his only aim was to build the temple of God. His only aim was to support or to build the work of God. It doesn't matter who does that. It doesn't matter how it is done. But his aim was to build the temple of God. You know, there is a lot to learn from this man of God. You know, if that is what is our aim today, we don't worry about really what is going on around us. We don't worry about who does what. We don't worry whether the, it's a pastor who does that or maybe a janitor in the church who does that. 
or maybe somebody who is standing in the front to receive people who did that it doesn't really matter who does that who does the singing who plays the instrument it's all immaterial when we have our objectives when we have our intentions correct of building the temple of God this man had such a great attitude God is expecting us not to give room to those kind of discouragements in our lives. God is asking us not to look at people and what they think and what they say. God wants us to be clean in our, in our intention and move forward. I really don't know how to conclude this sermon today. You know, there is a lot to learn from this man of God. But today I'm sure God is telling us we need to have the desire for God's house. We need to have longing for to build God's work on this earth. Now, today we see there are very many movements around us. They are thriving because they get such a strong support. But God's work is always low, always put down. If there is need to host an event, it is so difficult for the church. If they need to have a rally, they need to walk around in the city holding the banners. It is very hard to get people for that, to get the support. But if it is for some other cause, the whole world is behind them. Why? God is expecting us to have right attitudes towards the work of God. We need to encourage each other. We need to use our influence. It doesn't matter who does that. But to eventually to build the kingdom of God. God has called us to play a vital role wherever we are. This morning I believe God is speaking to us through the attitude of this man of God. Let's close our eyes. Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swami Nathan at balan at hipm.org. God bless you.